Chapter 19, The Return of Rhyme and Reason Sailing past three of the tallest peaks, just over outstretched arms of grasping demons, they reached the ground and landed with a sudden jolt. Quick, urged Tok, follow me, we'll have to run for it. With the princesses still on his back, he galloped down the rocky trail, and not a moment too soon, for pounding down the mountainside in a cloud of clinging dust and a chorus of chilling shrieks came all the loathsome creatures who choose to live in ignorance and who had waited so very impatiently. Thick black clouds hung heavily overhead as they fled through the darkness and Milo, looking back for just a moment, could see the awful shapes coming closer and closer. Just to the left, and not very far away, were the triple demons of compromise. One tall and thin, one short and fat, and the third exactly like the other two. As always, they moved in an ominous circle, for if one said here and the other said there, the third agreed perfectly with both of them. And since they were always settled, since they always settled their differences by doing what none of them really wanted, they rarely got anywhere at all, and neither did anyone they met. Do you know where you are? You are in an endless epic. Oh, comes in clutch at the end, because here there'll be dragons. Only one chapter to go, and Oof. you nailed it. Thank you. I know. Nailed I knew I'd get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Endless Epic. I am your host, Castle, and here with me is my illustrious and beautiful brother, Mr. Smith, a.k.a. as the real thick Jesus, and uh, we are reading The Fountain Tollbooth. Yes, we are. And it's been a heck of a read, I might yes, add. Yes, it has. Uh, if this is your first... Enjoyable. If this is your first uh, episode with us, I strongly recommend going back to the first one. Otherwise, a lot of what is going on here is not going to make sense. Unless you've read the book. Unless you've read the book. In which yeah. case, you're welcome to start here and then go back and follow us along the journey in a retrospective manner. Yeah, definitely. So, before we even start, that line is beautiful. Uh, I... I don't think that we did. We run into the demons of the triple demons of compromise before. I don't think that we did. I don't and, think so. Man, these pages are so thick. I think that yeah, we're you're like yeah, skipping some. Yeah, I think I'm skipping some. Used to cheap books. Um, the and the the annotation here on the triple demons of compromise. Jester notes on the demons include the following: twin demons, uh, as tall as one that was. That's how short the other was. As round as one was, that's how square the other was. As rough as one was, that's how smooth the other was. They are not at all alike, but yet exactly the same. The Twin Demons of Compromise The author recalled, I must admit I concocted them only to plague jewels, not to be so easily undone, Pfeiffer chose to leave the triple demons to the reader's imagination. Ooh. So, <laughs> Juster made them to plague his... Uh... Editor? No, not editor. His oh, oh. illustrator. Got you. Got and you. then the illustrator uh, just chose not to draw them. That's funny. <laughs> 
Which, you know, I think actually adds to it a little bit because I, I, I feel like that's kind of... An what, interesting place for it to have been. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that, that um, gives you a better idea. Well, it, it personalizes it a little bit because they're going to, you know, you're, each individual person is going to imagine them differently. And, it, you know, last time we talked about schools and stuff, and it's interesting because this uh, is very relevant to our current political situation oh, yeah. around yeah. the world, really. Yeah. yeah, no, I was thinking that when you were reading it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, we try not to get into to politics or social issues, but it is... And fail horribly every yeah, time. Yeah, every time. Um, it is a very interesting thing because we we often see that in politics... Nothing ever gets done because they're always caught in the middle of compromise. Yes. And the compromise is usually a push and pull. It's never a, a progressive compromise. Oh, absolutely not. No. No. Because because it's it's ironic because, and, it, and it spells it out right there for you. They're all so different and yet so exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite funny. <laughs> Well, and the thing the thing about compromise that makes it work is when all parties agree on something that is beneficial yes. to all three parties. Yes. But where compromise usually ends up, and the reason why it fails, is because they end up agreeing on things that are not agreeable yeah, that no, to no, anyone. No one really wants to do it, but it's quote-unquote compromise. Right. It is Because we're all unhappy now, so it's compromise. Right. Which is... Oh boy, if that yeah. isn't relevant. <laughs> and you can even move that into relationships, not just, you know, we'll move away from politics a little bit, but yeah. compromise isn't supposed to make everybody unhappy, it's supposed to make everybody happy. And not to say that everyone has to be happy, but, you know, because that's, that, that's a fruitless endeavor to try right. to make everyone happy. The... Oh my gosh, show professional. Fired. Fired. Did, did, you not, did you not read my text message at all? No, I didn't. I don't think Boy, he read it. He said it to walk, you on the phone. Walk, walk up to the door and knock because Sean and I are recording. <sighs> All right, bye. Let's just leave this in here and shame him. Shame him to death in yeah. front of our. That was the dark chef. Thankfully, yeah, the dark chef. Thankfully, <laughs> hundreds of listeners, I, which is still crazy. Thank yeah. you guys again. We're yes. not gonna, we're not gonna <laughs> sit too long for too that, long. Thank you guys. It's yes. crazy. What do, what do we what do we call our listeners? Are they just adventurers? I, the the epic seekers? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think adventurers are good. There, I mean, yeah. you know, an endless epic. It's it's an adventure. Yeah, I agree. Okay, back to the book, as we're not even one paragraph in. <laughs> they expect it by now. Yeah, jumping clumsily from boulder to boulder and catching hold with his cruel curving claws was the horrible hopping hindsight. A most unpleasant fellow whose eyes were in the rear and whose rear was out in front. He invariably leapt before he looked and never cared where he was going as long as he knew why he shouldn't have gone there. He shouldn't have gone where he'd been. <laughs> I don't even think we really need to touch on that too much. Yeah, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty descriptive. Yeah, that speaks oh. for itself. Hin I, hindsight is twenty twenty, and also I love the description of hindsight. <laughs> I, I I would I would wager to say that this is the most gory sentence in the whole of this book. Yeah. This is a decimative sentence. Yeah. Definitely. 
he invariably leapt before he looked, and he never cared where he was going, as long as he knew why he shouldn't have gone where he'd been. Right. How many people live their lives like that? So many. I mean, you do it in, in small bits every day. Everybody does. Everybody yeah. does. It's, you know, you, you, can't, you can't point one finger to any specific type of person, but there are people who do it more prominently. Oh, uh, oh, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but every, you know, it happens. You, you, you uh, and I swear to God, I'm a professional. I, well, I don't know why I didn't have my phone on me. Yeah, it's literally the first <laughs> thing I do every time. Um, just, just fired. Just fired. This is your last episode. Yeah. Okay. No you can do one more. I'm and most, one. most terrifying of all, directly behind, inching along like giant soft-shelled snails, with blazing eyes and wet, anxious mouth, came the gorgons of hate and malice, leaving a trail of slime behind them and moving much more quickly than you'd think. <laughs> Boy, ain't that the truth. <laughs> Faster, shouted Tok. Uh, they're closing in. Down from the heights they raced, the humbug with one hand on his hat and the other flailing desperately in the air, Milo running as he had never run before, and the demons just a little bit faster than that. From off on the right, his heavy, bulbous body lurched dangerously on spindly legs, which barely supported him, came the overbearing know-it-all, talking continuously, a dismal demon who was mostly mouth. He was ready at a moment's notice to offer mis misinformation on any subject, and while he often tumbled heavily, he was never, it was never he who was hurt, but rather the unfortunate person on whom he fell. That's funny. Also, painfully accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Painful. He's getting a lot more uh, direct in this final section, and I think that yeah. that's, that's evidence of Milo's maturation yes. in this. Absolutely. I was just going to say, yeah, it's... It because the the story progresses as Milo grows, like you, things become more clear as he becomes more and and as they flee with rhyme and reason, mm -hmm. noting the the horrors and dangers of ignorance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's this book is a is it's not just a children's book. It's not just a, a an adventure story. It's a poetry book. Oh, like, oh, absolutely. There's so much poetry in this in each sentence and i'm gonna stop because that's literally what we do every episode continue Gush reading over just he's so good next to him but just a little behind came the gross exaggeration whose grotesque features and thoroughly unpleasant manners were hideous to see and whose rows of wicked teeth were made only to mangle the truth they hunted together and were bad luck to anyone they caught the know-it-all and the gross exaggerator. Mm. Yeah, mm. how about that? Riding along on the back of anyone who'd carry him was the threadbare excuse, a small pathetic figure whose clothes were worn and tattered and who mumbled the same things again and again in a low but piercing voice. Well, I've been sick, but the page was torn out. I missed the bus. No one else did it. Well, I've been sick, but the page was torn out. I missed the bus, but no one else did it. 
He looked quite harmless and friendly, but once he grabbed on, he almost never let go. Closer and closer they came, bumping and jolting each other, crawling and snorting with eager fury. Tok staggered along bravely with rhyme and reason. Milo's lungs now felt ready to burst as he stumbled down the trail, and the humbug was slowly falling behind. Gradually the path grew broader and more flat as it reached the bottom of the mountain and turned towards wisdom. Ahead lay light and safety, but perhaps just a bit too far away. And down the demons came, everywhere, frenzied creatures of darkness lurching wildly forward towards... Oh, well, that was unnecessary drama because the next page is all illustration. Uh, towards their prey. From off in the rear, the terrible trivium and the wobbly gelatinous giant urged them on with glee. And pounding forward with a rush came the ugly dilemma, snorting steam and looking intently for someone to catch on the ends of his long pointed horns, while his hoofs bit eagerly at the ground. The exhausted humbug swayed and tottered on his rubbery legs, a look of longing on the anguish of longing on his anguished face. I don't think I don't think I can he gasped as jagged as a jagged slash of lightning ripped open the sky and thunder stole his words. Closer and closer the demons loomed as the desperate chase neared its end. Then Gathering themselves for one final leap, they prepared to engulf first the bug, then the boy, and lastly the dog and his two passengers. They rose as one, and... And surprisingly stopped, as if frozen in midair, unable to move, staring ahead in terror. Milo slowly raised his weary head, and there, in the horizon, for as far as the eye could see, stood the massed armies of wisdom, the sun glistening from their swords and shields, their bright banners slapping proudly in the breeze. For a moment everything was silent, then a thousand trumpets sounded, then a thousand more, and, like an ocean wave, the long line of horsemen advanced, slowly at first, then faster and faster, until with a gallop and a shout, which was music to Milo's ears, they swept forward toward the horrified demons. There in the lead was King Azaz, his dazzling armor embossed with every letter of the alphabet, and with him the math magician brandishing a freshly sharpened staff. From his tiny wagon, Dr. Discord hurled explosion after explosion to the delight of the sound keeper while the busy Dean collected them almost at once. And, in honor of the occasion, Chroma the Great led his orchestra in a stirring display of patriotic colors. Everyone Milo had met during his journey had come to help. The men of the marketplace, the miners of Digitopolis, 
and all the good people from the valley and the forest. The spelling bee buzzed excitedly overhead, shouting, Charge! C-A-R-G-E Charge! C-A-R-G-E Canby, who, as everyone knew, was a coward, was as cowardly as he can be, came all the way from conclusions to show that he was also as brave. Even Officer Shrift, proudly mounted on a long, low Dotson, galloped grimly along. Cringing with fear, the monsters of ignorance turned in flight, and with anguished cries took horrible with anguished cries too horrible ever to forget, returned to the damp, dark places from which they came. The humbug sighed with relief, and Milo and the princesses prepared to greet the victorious army. Well done, stated the Duke of De Definition, dismounting and grasping Milo's hand warmly. Fine job, seconded the Minister of Meaning. Good work, added the Count of Connotation. Congratulations, proposed the Earl of Essence. Cheers, recommended the Undersecretary of Understanding. And since that's exactly what everyone felt like doing, that's exactly what everyone did. It's we who should thank, began Milo, then... The shouting had subsided, when the shouting had subsided, but before he could, they had unrolled an enormous scroll, and, with a fanfare and trumpets, they stated in an order that, Henceforth and forthwith let it be known by all men that rhyme and reason reign once more in wisdom. The two princesses bowed gratefully and warmly kissed their brothers, and they all agreed that a very fine thing had happened. And furthermore, continued the proclamation, the boy named Milo, the dog known as Tok, the insect hereinafter referred to as the Humbug, are hereby declared to be heroes of the realm. Cheer after cheer filled the air, and even the bug seemed a bit embarrassed at having so much attention paid to him. Therefore, concluded the Duke, in honor of their spirit, glorious deed, oh, I'm sorry, in honor of their glorious deed, a royal holiday is declared. Let there be parades through every city in the land, and a gala carnival of three days' duration, consisting of jousts, games, feasts, and follies. The five cabinet members rolled up the large parchment, and with many bows and flourishes, retired. Swift horsemen carried the news to every corner of the kingdom, and, as the parade slowly wound its way through the countryside, crowds of people gathered to cheer it along. Garlands of flowers hung from every house, and shop and carpeted, street, and carpeted the streets. Even the air shimmered with excitement, and shutters closed for many years were thrown open to let brilliant sunlight shine where it hadn't shone in so long. Milo, Tok, and the very subdued humbug sat proudly in the royal carriage with Azaz and the math magician and the two princesses and the parade stretched for miles in both directions. As the cheering continued, Rhyme leaned forward 
and touched Milo's arm gently. They're shouting for you, she said with a smile. But I could never have done it, he objected, without everyone's help. That may be true, said Rhyme gravely, but you have the courage to try, and what you can do is often simply a matter of what you will do. That's why, said Azaz, there's one very important thing, your quest, your qu about your quest that we couldn't discuss until you returned. <coughs> I remember, said Milo eagerly. Tell me now. It was impossible, said the king, looking at the math magician. Completely impossible. <laughs> I forgot he was going <laughs> Said the math magician, looking at the king. Do you mean, stammered the bug, who suddenly felt a bit faint. Yes, indeed, they repeated together. I can't do two voices at once. You want to do it? You want to do it? Can, can, you want to do a, a Zaz of the Math Magician? Can you do uh, Scottish? Uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I don't know. I'll do, I'll do a Zaz. Okay, it's just very deep. Yeah, yes, indeed. Okay, three, two, one. Yes, yes indeed. indeed. They repeated together. But if we told you then, you might not have gone. And... As you've discovered, so many things are possible just as long as you don't know they're impossible. Oof. 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 <laughs> and for the remainder, remainder of the ride, Milo didn't utter a sound. Can we just talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, th and there's actually an annotation here. So many things are possible just as long as you don't know they're impossible. The author's version of I think I can, I think I can, and one of the passages most often cited by readers as inspirational. Dude, I, I, I literally, like, I talk about this. Like, Caleb and I have been talking about this. Like, it, it is such, like, a... a the, Caleb, it, Caleb from our buddies Nick and Tub. Yes, the Nick and Tub yes, podcast. Correct, there you correct. go. Yeah, Tub. Um, impossible is such a fallacy. Well, it, impossible is subjective, it, and that's we and we look at impossible as being objective. Yes, it, it, and I, I just want to I want to give there there are two instances, um, but I'll use the most famous one because you know who cares about the French, and I'll explain that in a second. But flight, humans should not, and and to be fair, we as humans cannot fly by ourselves. We have to have something to help us. But before the Wright brothers. It, like it was you know flight was impossible mm -hmm. we were never supposed to fly and and before them and and i say uh, we, nobody cares about the french sarcastically but the french were flying in hot air balloons like i don't know almost 100 years before the wright brothers but right right but before the wright brothers like flight in a like well, controlled around the world in 80 days yeah, like it. it oh, I can never remember his first name. Is it Phineas or Phileas? Uh, I think it's Phileas. Phileas Fogg. Fog? Yeah. I always want to say Phineas. But but they're like before the, before the Wright brothers having controlled like. Oh, it is Phileas. 
like fast moving, like accurate flight was uh, uh, it was impossible to to go back to it. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was improbable until it was. And it's shit like it that like that should be so inspiring that literally unless it's like goes against like uh I do want I do wanna just real quick, I wanna point out to everybody who who may get I do know that Phileas Fogg in Jules Verne's book is, is British. Oh, oh, right, right, right. He's not French. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah, the but, the, the idea of something being impossible is something that is, if if it is recognized, it becomes true. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it's it's wild, man. It, even space like space flight and and like, there's so many things I'm using, like because these were huge. Yeah, broad huge. stroke examples. Space flight was considered to be impossible until until uh, I think it was Russia and NASA were the first ones to do it. Yeah, um, unless it literally goes against like math. <laughs> because that's like the truest thing in the universe. But even even so, there have been some things we've done that completely screw with math. Yeah, <laughs> I, I use I, yeah. I, it can be changed, but still, math is like the most like true thing in the universe. <laughs> uh, but but regardless, like there's nothing is impossible. <laughs> Well, it's 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 why I always I always find uh, absolutes to be very funny. Yeah, like we, yeah. You, you, it's a touchy subject, but people talk about climate change, and they're like, mm. "There's nothing that we can do about it." Well, nothing suggests that it's impossible, right? Right. There's nothing that we can do to fix problems that we've made. Well, if you can make a if you can cause a problem, you can definitely fix it. Absolutely. So the, this this level of uh, things are impossible is not uh, a, an ideology I subscribe to. Oh, I know, absolutely. But not. it's why I I love social and psychological sciences because they speak in absolutes when they are the least verifiable sciences oh, in yeah. existence. Yeah. That's just fun. And I and I love I love when something in and of itself pretends that it creates impossibilities. Yeah. And it's what's what's insane is that sociology and psychology are are literally studies of the human brain. Right. And they should be the studies that most often tell us nothing is impossible, but they are the studies that more often convince us that things are impossible. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's a funny dichotomy of the human mind is uh, why because I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but while simultaneously being able to make us have the ability to fly, it also at the exact same time from, you know, different people, obviously, tells you that it's completely impossible and will never happen. Right. And and both are true to that person. That's the, right. that's the wild thing about that is like, it, like truth is subjective. Um, like it's, it, <laughs> we're, we're getting into some deeper subjects right. here, but and, and, still and relevant. It's, and it's not, to, it's not to say that it, it's not, it's not true because truth truth is subjective to a degree well yeah because there there are absolutes but those absolutes never include impossibilities yeah it's a really good point and it, it, you can trace it all the way back to these more vague concepts like the butterfly effect right yeah 
Like, the butterfly effect says that if a, a butterfly flaps its ring, wings in France, it can cause a, a typhoon in Japan, right? Yeah. And while that's obviously, that's an, that's an extreme, uh, an extreme obscuration of fundamentalism, right? Like, it's this, 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 this extreme idea that one, or, or, or an extreme version of the idea that all, all things matter. Yeah. Right? And it, it creates this, this personification of impossibility. Like, it makes, it makes the idea of possibility so strange that it becomes impossible again. Yeah. Because if you explain that to somebody, like a, a butterfly flapping its wings in France creates a typhoon in, in Japan, people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. Obviously, that's not true. That didn't happen. Right? So it takes this probability and it makes it impossible for yeah. people. And that is that is another tool of, of like psychology and, and social sciences that give us these, these grandiose uh, examples that end up making us believe that more and more things are impossible. Yeah. Like science has gone so far and you and I are both, we both love literature and we both love science. Yes. Um, yeah, and I've, and I've you, like you and I spend a good portion of our time as, as young men uh, tinkering around with mechanics and uh, chemical compositions and things like that as Which well as is, yeah. fantasy. Like we did as much experimenting and uh, fantasizing as we could when we were young. Yeah. And people would still argue if they knew exactly what our, our business ambitions were. They would probably argue that we deal more in fantasy now than we did when we were children. Absolutely. <laughs> But the, the, the point being is that science has essentially managed to make people... Science, which was... For people like Nikola Tesla and, and the Wright brothers, science was this thing that made people believe that all things were possible. And now it's become this thing that makes us believe that everything is impossible. What? It's, it's it's managed to scare people yeah. away from the very function of science, the very purpose of science. Well, I think it's what I, what the biggest problem I think with that is is communication, is because of how like scientists you could argue are not the most um, uh, sociable people. You know, they don't really they're not social butterflies. They don't they're not really dripping with charisma. Typically, typically, um, not you know it's not a blanket statement, but it kind of is. Um, and I, I think the problem lies with like the inability to properly communicate what is being discovered and done in different scientific fields. Um, and I think that's where that comes from is like, like a scientist will say something and people will totally interpret it in a completely different way because of how it was said, because inflection and vocabulary is so important in communication and if your job is to like communicate conclusions or data to people, yeah, but that's not, but but I mean, but that's not your job. Yet that's that's a product of your job. Your job is to do the sciencing, and I'm just, I'm, I know that sounds really dumb to say it that way, but right. But if if like let's say that my job as a as a as a uh, say a waiter at a restaurant is to take data to the chef and then take the product of that data back to a customer. Right. Right? Right. But when I take the data back, it is unrecognizable to the customer and I don't explain why. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> great way to put it. Is that the customer's fault that they missed that they, they didn't get what they were expecting? Uh, or is it the or is it the 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 restaurant and the waiter's fault 
for not bringing. Oh right, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it it li- like it more lies with the waiter, with the right. inability to properly communicate what happened. Yeah, I would argue that the that in that instance the chef is the science, and the scientist is the waiter. Yeah, and the general populace is the customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and was, they, and the general customer, <laughs> the general customer is going to have no understanding of the, the chef. Yeah, they don't understand the science. It's the waiter's job yeah. to interpret the science and, and explain it to them right. in a good way. Right. But that's the that's the thing is like the I would actually say the the food is the science, the chef is the scientist, and the waiter is the communication. I would, I would. Say we're getting way deeper into oh, this than we need to. Absolutely, but, uh, I love it though. The 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 food is the product of the science. I uh, I get because the the my point is is like the the like the problem isn't it, to my mind science is concept. Science is is practicing concept. Yeah, theory and and and. Uh, experimentation right right so uh, so that in my mind is the kitchen and the chef the 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 chef is the practice the kitchen is the theory and what comes out of that is is the product of the experimentation well, see, I, okay yeah <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> you did not expect this when you tuned into this episode <laughs> of a book podcast <laughs> of a children's book nonetheless I don't know why people don't roast us more on Twitter for how offbeat we get in these episodes. I, I Speaking of which, it. you can follow us on Twitter at Real yeah. Thick Yeezus, two Qs extra thick, and at Real Slim Yeezus. Just one L. Yeah. Just regular slim. <laughs> just the regular level of slim. Uh, uh, do we want to get back to the Yeah, let's get back to the book, because uh, <laughs> I was just about to go off on that, and I was like, this is... this is." <laughs> it, point being, if you forgot what the point was, not... Like I'm not gonna say nothing because that uh, again count contradicts what I'm saying, but almost nothing is impossible, right? And and uh, that's the, the point. The way that you make something impossible is you tell yourself it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're the the thing the the biggest obstacle in just about anything is yourself. Yeah. Finally, they'd reached a broad. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> that was just. The most uh, ironic word to come back yeah, on. Some, somehow the audience's <laughs> thought process made it into the yeah, book. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, these guys shut up. <laughs> Finally, you were saying. Finally, when they'd reached a broad, flat plain midway between Dictionopolis and Digitopolis, somewhat to the right of the Valley of Sound and a little to the left of the Forest of Sight. The long line of carriages and horsemen stopped, and the great carnival began. Gaily striped tents and pavilions sprang up everywhere as the workmen scurried about like ants. Within minutes there were race courses and grandstands, side shows and refreshment booths, gaming fields, ferris wheels, banners, buntings, and bedlam, almost without pause. The math magician provided a continuous display of brilliant fireworks made up of exploding numbers which multiplied and divided with breathtaking results. 
The colours, of course, being supplied by Chroma, and the noise by the deliriously happy Dr. Discord. Thanks to the soundkeeper, there was music and laughter, and for brief moments, even a little silence. Alec Beings set up an enormous telescope and invited everyone to see the other side of the moon, and the humbug wandered through the crowd accepting congratulations and recounting in great detail his brave exploits, most of which gained immeasurably in the telling. And each evening, just at sunset, the royal banquet was held. There was everything imaginable to eat. King Azad had ordered a special supply of delicious words in all flavors and for those who liked exotic foods in all languages too. The math magician had provided innumerable platters of division dumplings, which Milo was very careful to avoid, for no matter how many you ate, when you finished, there was more on your plate than when you began. Of course, following the meal came songs, epic poems and speeches of praise of the princesses and the three gallant adventurers who had rescued them. King Azaz and the Math Magician pledged that every year at this time they would lead their armies to the Mountains of Ignorance until not one demon remained. And everyone agreed that no finer carnival, for no finer reason, had ever been held in wisdom. But even things as fine as all that must end sometime, and late on the afternoon of the third day, the tents were struck the pavilions were folded, and everything was packed, ready to leave. It's time to go now, said Reason, for there is so much to do. And as she spoke, Milo suddenly remembered his home. He wanted very much to go back, yet somehow he, somehow he could not bear the thought of leaving. And so you must say goodbye said Rhyme, patting him gently on the cheek. To everyone, said Milo unhappily. He looked around and slowly at all his friends he made. He looked around slowly at all the friends he'd made, and he looked very hard, so not to forget any of them for an instant. But mostly, he looked at Tok and the humbug, with whom he'd shared so much. The perils, the dangers, the fear, and best of all, the victory. Never had anyone had two more steadfast companions. Can't you both come with me? He asked, knowing the answer as he said it. I'm afraid not, old man, replied the bug. I'd like to, but I've arranged a lecture to, I've arranged a, a lecture tour which will keep me occupied for years. And they need a watch, and they do need a watchdog here, but talk, sadly. Milo embraced the bug who, in a most typical fashion, was heard to mumble gruffly, bah, but whose damp eyes told quite a different story. Then the boy threw his arms around Tok's neck, and, for just a moment, held on very tightly. Thank you for everything you've taught me, said Milo, 
to everybody as tears rolled down his cheeks. And thank you for everything you've taught us, said the king as he clapped his hands. The little car was brought forward, polished like new. Milo got in, and with one last look, he started down the road, with everyone waving him on. Goodbye, goodbye, I'll be back, he shouted. Goodbye, shouted Azaz. Always remember the importance of words. <coughs> and numbers, added the math magician forcefully. Surely you don't think numbers are more important than words? He heard Azaz shout in the distance. Is that so? replied the math magician a little bit more frankly. What if? Oh dear, thought Milo. I do hope they don't start it all again. And in a moment, they had faded from sight as the road dipped, turned, and headed for home. Surely you don't think numbers are as important as words. Jester commented, once the victory was won, there was little else to do but get Milo home. It was a great victory, but I didn't want it to imply that it was a total victory for all time. This fight would have to be won again and again. And there you have it. And that is because ignorance and the importance of wisdom is not something that is gained with a simple victory. Yeah, it's, it's every day. The quest for wisdom and the staying of ignorance is a forward motion. Yes. It is a continuous journey that the best of us fight until we die and the worst of us lose many years before we're gone. And your best assets are rhyme and reason. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> rhyme and reason will keep you in wisdom, but the contrast and comparison of knowledge and its importance will always lead you into the mountains of ignorance. And every year, you will have to fight the demons in ignorance. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is the end of the chapter 19. We have more. one more to go, my friends. It is a short chapter. Yeah, we'll do we'll do kind of a recap next episode after the chapter's over. Yeah, because chapter, okay. chapter 20 is literally three pages. Four pages. So... Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be it, and uh, then we will be giving away a annotated copy of this over on my Instagram yep. page, uh, with the the rear page signed by uh, my brother and I, and uh, sent out to whoever yes. can uh, answer the questions. Devaluing it uh, significantly. Significantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, this has been a journey. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, love, I, I love this book so much. I'll probably go back and reread it again after we're done yeah no kidding it's such a good book um i know i promised early on that i was going to do an audio book of this for you guys and uh i literally just got the audio equipment in that was uh, made me able to do it um but we've also encountered some issues with uh, me being able to give it to you guys 
uh, with copyright issues. So I'm still going to do it, and I'm going to put it out, but if I get in trouble for it, then I'll have to put it down. <laughs> so, um, we should be okay, but I'm, 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 I'm just letting you guys know ahead of time that, uh... I'm going to have to figure out some other means of doing it. Yeah, I, I, and I, uh, I just want to make things for you guys. I want to make things with you guys, and that is really what this is all about, enjoying adventures together. Um, if you support us on Patreon, you know that we've already had a vote for uh, what will be the next book, and it is very much looking like the Witcher series. Um, luckily, there are already audiobooks for that, and I will be putting out uh, links in the description uh, here uh, where you can join Audible or where you can pick up the audiobooks or just the regular books so that you guys can uh, read along with us on The Witcher. And uh, in good faith, we will also be giving away copies of The Witcher when we reach the end there. Yes. Uh, yes. As well as going over the series, uh, the show and the game in uh, different episodes of the podcast. We're going to have to figure out a new structure because there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, there will be two more episodes of The Phantom Tollbooth. We will have uh, Chapter 20, which will be a short... Um, Chop to read and then a uh, a recap, and then we will be uh, watching the film and the play, and we'll be doing a uh, just a chat through episode on that. As a matter of fact, we might live stream to like do a watch with, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, on um, our our Twitch page for our company, and uh, maybe maybe do it that way. That might be fun. So you guys let us know, uh, let us know on Twitter or on Instagram uh, in the comments of anything, whether uh, that is uh, what you'd like to do. If you guys would like to watch the film together, um, it's, it's short, I think it's about an hour and 15 minutes, and it's something we could all do a movie night yeah. together. Alright guys, thank you so much for joining us on this leg of Milo's journey beyond the Phantom Toll booth. We'll see you guys next time. The next time we turn the page, as a matter of fact. Right. Stay bloodthirsty, my friends. All hail.